Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So often I hear people talk about God and they, they'll say sometimes something like, I feel like that there is something about God that I might be missing. Like I see some other people and I hear the way they pray. And when they pray, I wonder, man, they, they seem to really know God. Like we have some people that will be like, well, I can't pray, um, but you can. Molly, yep, Kevin, you can pray. Your praise prayers are the ones that are actually heard before God, right? Or people will say, um, man, I can see um, how, how sometimes Jess, she'll be in worship and there'll be like tears in her eyes or, you know, we, we see someone seems to be moved by worship and we're like, ah, I want that. I, I've never experienced that before. Like, I want to know what they know. I, I see that and I feel like I'm kind of missing something, right? Or I hear someone talk about their love, their love relationship with God, their friendship with Jesus or their passion for him. And I think that, yeah, that is a little foreign to me, but I see that and I want it. I want to know how do I, I, I don't know how to get there. I see that I want it, but I'm not really sure how to connect the dots in my own life, right? And I can relate to this. I I remember hearing a story. One of my friends went on a missions trip, and in this missions trip, she was paired with another random person, and they were roommates. And she said, and, and my friend had like a really great relationship with God, but she said this person was like, had this off the charts love relationship with God. She said this person would go to sleep. It was just this young adult, and she'd go to sleep going, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Like she'd fall asleep like that. And my friend was telling me about this. I'm like, I fall asleep like, okay, Molly, buy these things at the grocery store and my to-do list and what I'm going to make for breakfast, you know? And I'm like, oh, I want to go to sleep like telling Jesus how, like, you know, I can't stop talking about how much I love him. And I, it doesn't just stay inside. Like, I want that. All right. There's a pastor at a church in California that I, a lot of you guys know, Bill Johnson, and sometimes he'll be preaching in mid-story. He'll be talking about his personal history with God or something that God's done in his life, and he gets choked up, and he has to stop, and he can't get the words out because he's just so moved by the reality of God. And then he talks about his friend, a woman named Heidi Baker. Have you guys heard of Heidi Baker, who is, um, still is a missionary to Mozambique and had like a master's degree and left everything in the U.S. to go to Mozambique to uh, ended up starting an orphanage. And she would say just to be with these kids in the dirt and would just one kid after another, God would just bring kids and orphanages and planted churches and churches and thousands of churches and uh, is just, you know, gave it all up literally to, to, to love and stop and be with the one. But when Bill Johnson would talk about Heidi, would hear Heidi talk, he would say, I don't even know if I was saved. You know, like she's so far in love with Jesus that I'm questioning, you know, he's joking, he's saved, but he's like, what you have is so far from, from what I am experiencing about, about God. And, and so I can relate to when I, I see these people that have more, I'm like, that is what I want. I want that. I want to love Jesus. You're stirring something in me. Or sometimes I meet someone and they, they're like, there's, there's like a magnetism is all I can say. They, they carry such a gentleness of Jesus and I can sense courage or strength in them. And the way they talk, I'm like, oh, you have what I would call like the real deal relationship with Jesus. It's almost like you're talking, you can hear you and you know, like you can hear someone sometimes and you're like, you're not from around here and I can never put my finger on it. I always go Australia and they're like, no, I'm from Ireland, you know, and I'm like, oh, 
can't, can't recognize that accent, but I can recognize that heavenly accent. And I can say, I'm like, oh, you have been there. You have been in God's presence. You have this fiery, on fire relationship with God. And whatever it is, I want it. I want it. And so what I want to do today is I want to help us get there. I don't want to just say, hey, there's something out there. And yeah, good luck. Yeah, I hope you figure it out. I want to help us get there together. I want to give us a, a step towards that relationship with God that we see in others, that, that fieriness, that passion, that magnetizing spirit of God. And, and I want us to build towards that. We don't have to just be jealous or confused by it, but that it's something that we can begin to experience, that we can begin to build into our own lives. But before I get there, before I move towards what's coming next, I want to um, remember where we've been for one second. And we've started a new sermon series on the book of Acts. And last week, uh, Kevin started uh, in the beginning with the waiting church, that new church, that group of friends of Jesus, that after Jesus died, how they were, they were waiting in one room. And the day of Pentecost came, and they experienced that filling of the Holy Spirit, the promised spirit of God, his Holy Spirit. They experienced that in that upper room, remember, and that uh, that the Holy Spirit came and he rested on them and it, and it looked like what? A tongue of fire. Good. Yeah, there's the teacher in the back. She knows what group, what class participation feels like. Thank you. Tongues of fire resting on them. Right? The whole, this was like a picture of like, he is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And he was resting on them. But then we also know that he wasn't just resting on them for a moment, like a one-time experience, that he actually filled them. That it was actually something internal. That thing on the outside was a picture of what happened inside. That the presence of God or the fire of God actually filled them through and through. And it wasn't just a, a one-time event that the Holy Spirit then, that filling went with them. There was an internal transformation that happened that changed everything for this friend, these friends of Jesus. And they would go from there, sent out to launch a global church that would last throughout history, that the gates of hell would not prevail against. But that was the starting point for this group of people. And here's what happened. As they went, they were continued to be marked by the Holy Spirit, that that tongue of fire wasn't on them, resting on them visibly anymore, but he was um, visible in them, in their very lives. And they were, uh, they continued on. They kept on being filled with his spirit. And what I believe happened is that they had to attend to the fire of the Holy Spirit that was now in them. And so what I want to look at is um, how they attended to the fire. Because we too, guys, we too have been marked by the Holy Spirit. That maybe some of you for the first time last week experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some of you experienced the continued filling of the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, is just like they were marked by the Holy Spirit that would then continue with them. We have been marked by the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. And we too have that, that now this identity on fire believers, on fire friends of Jesus, on fire Christians, right? Maybe you want to call it that, but it is that same spirit in us. And what they had to do to attend to the fire of the Holy Spirit in their lives to continue, we will do to attend to the fire in our lives. That's what we're looking for is what do we need to do to attend to that fire so we can continue on. This was God's plan for us today, because that torch has been passed to us, right? We are an extension of that first church. Different setting, different culture, 
different clothes, different whatever, you know, workplace, but same mission, same filling, same quantity, same quality of that first filling on us today. So how did they keep the fire going? Because how they kept the fire going We'll keep the fire going. Okay, so here's what we're going to look at. Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42. And I see this scripture coming right after this day of Pentecost. And I actually have two versions of this scripture on my screen. And for you guys at home, because um, there's a little nuance here, but I'm going to read it in first in the ESV. And it says this. This is about those spirit-filled disciples. And it says, and they devoted themselves They devoted themselves. And here's the nuance in the King James, which I really like. It says this, they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. This is how they attended to the fire, to these things, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so just, again, I want to slow down around this point, but they had this rocket launch of a start with the presence of God on them, like tongues of fire. They experienced this internal change. So we see people that went from weak and just sitting and gathered to powerful on the move, on mission. We have Peter, guys, Peter, who uh, the last chapter of his life, he is running from the crowd, denying Jesus. And then immediately we see that he is now running towards the crowd with this fire in him, boldly preaching the gospel. And do you know how many people were saved at the result of just one, one little church service efforts? 3,000 people. 3,000 people. That's a lot of people. I always like, I always wonder sound and tech. How'd that work out? Right? Like we crack that code. How did they do that? But three, 3,000 people saved and baptized as a result of this. So what was the gasoline in the tank? This is the powerful method that would then, that would help them continue. How does this continue? It happens with these four things. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Like, yeah, that's it. That's what they did to attend to the fire that would keep it going. So we're going to look at these four things, but I'm going to start right here with this, this bit about that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. We know what that is. The apostles were teaching what Jesus taught, which then was written down. They only had it in verbal form and it's written down. And now we have it. It's our Bible. It's the word of God. It's this, this um, Bible that we have in front of us. And so they were devoted in it. So how do we live devoted to the word of God? How do we actually pick this up and, and give ourselves steadfastly to it so that we would be on fire followers of Jesus so that this would be the gasoline in our tank too, so that we could know all that we want to know about God, so that we could have that relationship, that we could, we could understand how and why that we want to be on our knees in worship. We can understand how um, giving ourselves to prayer isn't just a chore, that, that opening up the word isn't a have to, it's something I have to check off my, my Christian to-do list that I made sure I did today, right? That's not what we want. We want this, this gasoline in the tank that says, this is my very life. I must, I must be found. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I want this, this relationship with Jesus. It makes sense to me. He's all I want. He's all I need. And so we're going to connect some dots by we're looking at this word as word as a place to go after Jesus and to find him like we always wanted to, that we always wanted to know. So here's where we're going to start. I actually just have two um, bits of application. What I really wanted this to do, guys, is I didn't want it to be a message going, you guys leaving, going, I should read the Bible more. Like, you know, we all know that, right? But I wanted to go, oh, no, I got some tools about like how to actually get more out 
of the Bible. That's what I'm going after. So my first thing, Satan, my first point is to awesome more. Awesome more. Okay. You love that. Y'all love that. Okay. Thanks, Carolyn. She's got me. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's what I'm asking for us. That when we read the Bible, this is going to sound simple, but when we read the Bible, I want us to read to see for who God is. Who God is. As we approach this word, it doesn't matter where you begin. It doesn't matter what part of the scripture that we read with a lens to see and know him. To see and know God. To read and go, what does this tell me about God? What am I discovering about him in this scripture? Again, whatever length it may be. Wherever it may be found in between the cover and the end there, whatever it may be, who is he? What is this telling me about God? How can I discover him again? So here is an example. Deuteronomy 33. This is the Old Testament. And I'm going to just read the scripture and I'm going to help. We're just going to find little bits about how to awesome more from it. But here is the scripture. Moses is blessing the tribes of Israel um, at the end of his life before they go into the promised land. And um, this is what it says. And there is no one like the God of Jeshurun. And, and Jeshurun means Israel. Who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. And I just stop right there. And here's a picture of God who rides across the heavens to help his children. Like that is glorious. That is beautiful. It is true through and through. And we just stop and we pause. And that is, that's enough for the week, right? You are a God who will ride across the heights of the heaven to help me. There is no place too far. Lake Dakota was saying that you can't get to me, that you can't see me in my place of need on this earth. There is no place. It doesn't matter how far, how deep, how hidden I think it is. It's revealed before you. And God, what are you doing? You are riding across the heavens. It doesn't matter if I don't know you to be that way. It doesn't matter if I can't feel that or, or you know, uh, like, you know, know it in my, like, experience. This is who you are. You are a God who is riding across the heavens towards me. Well, it goes on in verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you saying, destroy them. There is a voice of God speaking over your enemies. Destroy them. And you are protected. He is your refuge. He has everlasting arms. He's eternal. He doesn't change. He doesn't have a, a day of, of refuge and a day where he's doing something else. He is, he is the same day after day. He is consistent. He is steady. We find him to be this. We see that this is who you are, God. This is who you are. So Israel will live in safety. Jacob will dwell secure in a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop dew. Blessed are you, Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? He is your shield and helper in your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. And so we just take a little bit and we read to awe some more and we discover who God is. And then we take these things and we build our lives around them. This is my daily truth. This is who God is for me today. We find him. We find him. Okay. I'm going to skip the next one, guys. This is going to get long. I realize there's so much. I could just like each of these, I could preach the whole thing, but I'm just going to do one more. I'm going to do Genesis 39, 20 to 23. And this is about Joseph. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. 
He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now we can read this and we can go, this is the punchline, Joseph, who didn't deserve to be in prison, is in prison, right? We can just focus on that. That is terrible. That is a terrible circumstance. Or we could read to awesome more and we can see who God is, that God is with him in prison, He is with him in an unfair circumstance. He is with him in a circumstance that he can't get himself out of. And as he is with him, do you see who God is? He is giving favor in the eyes of the prison warden. In fact, so much favor that because the Lord was with him, he gave him success in whatever he did. So this is who God is. God's presence with us actually grants success in in terrible circumstances. That this is who God is, that he grants favor that he's a God of mercy, and that even in those places where it is the hardest season, God is still there. So God, I see you. Even when I don't, again, don't know that you're there. You are there working like this. Your, your presence with, with me has this kind of effect, kindness, even in terrible situations, even in the worst of circumstances. It gives success like this. And this is how I, I pray. I see God like this, and I say, God, have Favor on me like you did on Joseph in prison. Give me success like you give, you gave him. I see who you are. I see who you are. And you guys, here's the deal. The word provides enough insight that God would never be familiar to us. That he would never be, be like, you know, boring or he would never be just like commonplace. We read in Revelation 4 that there are like angels and beings around God's throne in heaven. And they are worshiping. And I love this scripture. It's like this worship service that never ends. It is an, it, it goes on for eternity and it never gets boring. It never gets mundane, right? And these beings and angels, it, it, they're covered in eyes, which is so interesting to me because I think I, they have all these eyes so they can take in all of God and they're taking in God. And as they are worshiping, they're falling on the ground, That's the reaction to him, to his majesty and his splendor. Like, and what they see of him, it's almost like it it continues to shock them, right? Like, again, they're like, oh, he's amazing and back on the ground, right? Like, it never becomes ordinary. It's, it's never, it's never like he's just familiar enough to them. And so here's the deal, guys. We get glimpses in the word of his infinite glory and worth. And we will, we can get to the point where every time it's like this fresh, like, oh, you're amazing. You're so amazing that, you know, I I would be on the floor at worship, right? Like I could be on the floor because you're just so amazing. Like we just read it to you guys to find again, the glory and the splendor and the majesty of God to be taught again of wonder. We don't have to come to the end of our amazement either. There is enough in here. There is enough in here. So when we can't think of anything else to say about God. When we can't think of another, you know, reason, sometimes I feel like I'm saying the same thing or I'm saying the same thing over and over again. When we can't think of what to pray back to him, when I can't think about like, okay, how do I know you? Or how do I love you more? When God doesn't seem big or marvelous or like he's present, what do we do when that little fire just seems like, well, maybe it's just a flicker today. We open the word again. And you guys, you can start anywhere. You can start in the Psalms. 
You can start in Genesis. You can start, you can go in the New Testament and see in Jesus. And I want you to read until you find him again. Oh God, I didn't know that you write across the heavens. I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you were like that. Or you're bringing that back to mind. You guys read until you're moved from your current state back on your knees on the floor. Read until you have reason to get off your chair and onto your knees. I promise it's in there. I promise you get to see what those angels and those beings took in with all their eyes. There was enough material there. Read until you awe some more. And so that's what I want you to do this week. I want you to focus in on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, those first three days. Again, I don't care where you start. Open the scripture and read and go, who are you? Who are you? Give me something that will cause me to be awakened again, to attend to the fire, to be awakened again to the glory of who you are. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to, this is how we live devoted to the word. We're going to awe some more. Awe some more. Okay, so the second thing that I want you to do is I want you to guard it with your life. Guard it with your life. This is what it says in Luke eleven twenty eight in the message version. Even more blessed are those who hear God's word and guard it with their lives. And guard it with their lives. Have you guys ever used this phrase, guard this with your life? Like I think I would use it like in middle school or elementary school. If I, you know, I'm eating lunch and the Twinkie is left and I have to go to the bathroom, right? You turn to your friend, guard this with your life. Don't let anyone lay a finger on the Swiss roll cake, whatever that thing is. Guard it with your life. We use this phrase for like high stakes things, right? Like this is so important to to me and I'm going to step away for a minute. Guard this with your life. Guard this with your life, right? If it costs you everything, if it costs you your life, keep it safe because it's that important to, to me. Don't let it be taken. So here's what Jesus is saying. Protect God's word with your life. Protect God's word with your life. So how, how do we Guard God's word with your life. Here's how. I believe this. We experience God's word in our life. And so then our life is like wrapped around that word and we're protecting it. We're guarding it. It's not going anywhere because we're actually surrounding it with our life. His words become our life. It's why James tells us to be a doer of the word, right? A doer of the word. Because when we, we are a doer of it, we're experiencing the word in, in our life against wrapped around it. And we're guarding it because we're living it. And it's in, it's in us. It's in our current experience. It's not in our head. It's moved out of our, our head and just our minds into our moments, into our nights, into our days, into our living, breathing, walking experience on this earth. So here's an example. Um, I was reading in John 15, 5, and I was reading these words of Jesus. And he says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I read that and I just paused and I just was like, okay, I'm going to put my life in the scripture. I'm going to put myself, my experience in the scripture, almost kind of like a movie scene, right? And so I'm just spending time with the Lord. I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm the vine. You're the vine. And you say to me, like, I'm the branch. So what's it like to be a branch? to just abide in you. And I'm having this conversation with him as I'm putting myself in the scripture and I'm, I'm like kind of just picturing being so securely attached, so securely attached to him, so securely attached to the vine. And I was just asking him, what's it like to abide? What's the experience of abiding, daily abiding? What's that like? And I'm just kind of experiencing, I know this sounds weird, I'm experiencing being a branch. 
attached to the vine. And then I, I turn like to him, like just as the vine. And I start saying, I want to be the best branch. Like, I want to be the best branch the vine has ever known. And I'm like, I want to do it all right. I want to abide the best, like the best abider that ever had the biggest fruit. And I'm just doing, I'm just having this. And, and I feel like the Lord said to me, he said, I didn't ask you to be the best branch. I just asked you to abide. I just asked you to remain in me. And all of a sudden I could sense my thinking and how my current thinking works with the Lord. And it's like this, I want to do it right, God. My relationship with you is about me doing it right and doing it best and getting it done the way that would be the best. And he stopped my thinking in that experience. And he said, that's not what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to rest in me. I'm asking you just to stay close, just to remain in me. And I'll take care of everything else. Until I could put my life in the word, I couldn't get a sense of how I was actually thinking about him and and where I was a little bit off from all that he's inviting me into. But that's what we do, right? God corrected my thinking because I was stuck in my thinking until the the word surrounded me. Until my life could, could guard it, until I could get into it. And then now I can guard that place. I can guard that place where I start striving and start moving into trying to do things for God and back to remaining. I can guard that place. I could see beyond my rut and my usual way of thinking and I could become a doer of the word, right? And so that's what I'm asking for you. Maybe you feel stuck in your circumstances and you just don't know how to get out. You don't know how to unthink, right? You don't know how to unthink. Put your circumstance, put your life experience in the word and just live it. Just let them bring revelation and understanding because we're living it out. We're living it out. James 5, 17 says this, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Put yourself in that word for a minute. That is so powerful. Elijah is a man just like me. What would it be like to pray like that on this earth, in this human body, to have that type of prayer, you know, power in the prayer? Well, God is saying, you can, you could be a doer of this word. Put yourself in it. Give it a try. The next time you have a need in prayer, pray like, like, like this James 5.17. Be a doer of this word. Be a doer of this word. Put your life in the word. As you do the word, it becomes your life, guys becomes your life. It's just the next step that we're going to take, that we're going to live in devotion to this word. Here's how we live in devotion. We just go ahead and we slow down around our reading and we give ourselves some time to experience with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, the one who wrote it. What does this mean for my life? How do I be a doer of this? So I want you to try this this week. You're going to awe some more Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Find some scripture and find something new about God, some new revelations, some new insights, some new fuel for worship. And then that leaves us Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I want you to try this. I want you to try to guard it with your life. And I'm going to point you to to a really good place to start. I'll just point you towards one, Psalm 23. It is a brilliant place to start, to experience it. Read it and then just which part of this, God, do you want me to experience today? Is it that part about you make me lie down in green pastures? Because I'm run, run ragged right now. What is that like to, to be led by your spirit to, to, to that place of green pastures or the still waters? What's it like to have your, your soul restored? You know, or, or what's it like, um, in, you know, to, to be shepherded? 
by you. You're a shepherd. What's that like? Maybe you're walking through the valley of a shadow of death. What's that like to find him with you, his rod and his staff and the comfort of those things? Experience the word. Experience the word. Be a doer of the word. Because here's how. Here's how we're going to find just the depth of God. We're going to keep that fire. We're going to tend to the fire. We are going to have such a, a, an internal sense of like that passion, that that presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit um, going with us as we go. And that's what I long for us as a church, to be on fire followers of Jesus, to have those, that relationship with him that we dreamed we could have, not just watch it in other people. So here's right here in my, in my life. So we're going to stand up and I'm going to pray over you. Here, so here's what's coming up next. You know, you know we're in a refresh and rebuild year. And so we're going to keep on in Acts. And, and next week, Kevin is going to uh, continue to take us deeper into how on fire believers attend to the fire. And you're going to preach on fellowship. And uh, we're going to find something new in that. But um, Pam's going to come up and help me with some ministry. But let me pray. I am so excited for what lies ahead of us. God, I believe, um, I believe that this is just an invitation right from your heart. And I believe there are some of us that are like, I've been so hungry and I don't know how to satisfy the hunger. And there's some of us who are saying, I've wanted more and I don't know. I don't know. Someone just, if someone just gave me a, a little tip, someone just pointed the way, I would do it. And, and here it is, God, before us. In the wisdom of your spirit and the kindness of your heart, you are inviting us to depths in your word. You're inviting us to be a doer of the word. You're inviting us to awe some more, to know what the angels know in heaven. That thing that would just move us from our, our kind of like, um, I don't know, it, I don't sense it's lukewarm, but I think since some of us are just real comfortable in the chair and God's saying, but you could, you could be on the floor, in your face, in worship. You, you could be satisfied in my presence. You could be alive in my presence.